0: And you are listening to Fast. I am Leslie Kinsel, and with me is uh, I trying to remember what I called you the last time. We're doing a second you take. Called I called you bouncing. fat. Yes. <laughs> bouncing. And beauteous bouncing. Like... Beauteous bouncing, Marianne Kirby. You called me fat. <laughs> um, this is a take two, in case you didn't figure that out, because we're having Skypeular problems. I thought for um, a second that you forgot my name, and I was going to be like Leslie. No, I sort of hesitated because I'm like, shit, what did I say last time? Because it was really funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're talking, we're talking about food, and not in the you know super brainy, hypercritical sense, but we're just talking about food in general that we like. And um, yeah, so I'm gonna st- actually I'm gonna start it off different this time, and I'm gonna ask you, Marianne, what is your favorite food in the world? Oh, that's really hard. Okay, let's say top three. If you okay, could... top three. I can totally narrow it down. Okay, totally. Okay, chicken and dumplings, a hundred percent on the list. <laughs> y- y'all, chicken and dumplings. I I will expound. Um, Thai food. Like I'm gonna go with the whole broad category of Thai food. But if I have to pick a dish, it's this. Um, it- it's got Thai holy basil in it, chili pepper and you make it with, um, usually, and you put it over rice, and it is hot and spicy and deliciousness. <laughs> um, it really comes down to those two. Although there's a Italian restaurant in Patea, Thailand, like Jomtan Beach, that serves this lasagna with spinach noodles that's honestly the best lasagna I've ever eaten in my entire life, <laughs> and I'm on the other side of the planet from it so that's a little difficult (laughs) that That kind of sucks that's a very precise answer (laughs) so those are my three favorite foods is that was chicken and dumplings and thai food awesome that that particular dish awesome very cool. What, what about you leslie um, I don't know. I should have thought of that, that when you were talking, and I didn't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> backfire. Uh, um. Okay. Three favorite foods. Three favorite foods. One would be Brussels sprouts. Um, one would be, oh, I want to say Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts are so good. I want to say Brussels sprouts again, but no, no. One is Brussels sprouts. I'm trying to think of, like, a delicious... Sort of meal. My see the weird thing is my favorite foods are incredibly like, like, sort of. They sound very bland. Like I say, you know, Brussels sprouts are one of my favorite foods. But it's what I do to the Brussels sprouts that makes them magical. And well, we will talk about what you do to them yes. that makes them magical. So Brussels sprouts, Brussels sprouts, probably some cut of steak. I'm sorry, vegetarians, but I really like steak. <laughs> um, and trying to think what's something else that i could eat endlessly and be like totally contented with I'm, I'm imagining right now i'm imagining a plate with a big hunk of filet mignon and and some roasted brussels sprouts and it's making me so hungry i was gonna say like my list is three meals and your list is <laughs> <components>. <laughs> true <clears throat> that can all be enjoyed at the same time it's true um, I like, like oatmeal a lot I do like oatmeal a lot but I don't know like I'm trying to think of you know if there were three foods that you know I could have in unlimited supplies for the rest of my life oatmeal would probably not be one of them as much mm-hmm. as I like it um, I will definitely take an unlimited supply of steak but <laughs> it's the third one that's really hard isn't it? it it is it is I'm trying to think of stuff that like like is my favorite food in the world. I don't know. I really um actually you know what? You know what I'm gonna say? What? I'm gonna say, um, the crab cakes at the Oceanair And the Ocean Air Ocean Air is actually a, a chain. Um it's Uh-oh. sort of it's sort of a high end expensive chain. But it is a chain of restaurants. And there's one in um uh in Boston, uh not far from Fanny Hall. And um they make these crab cakes which are basically like a pile of crab with like a light dusting of breadcrumbs just to hold it so there's some structural integrity. <laughs> it's so freaking good. I mean, most of what I I it's weird that that you know I I most of what I like tends to be very straightforward, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if I had to answer right now, those would be my three answers. But I I reserve um, judgment on which cut of steak precisely that would be I'd have to you think can have a whole more. cow it's okay okay I don't know that I want a whole cow <laughs> Well, you don't have to have the whole cow all at the same time okay it's, you you can like if if steak is your answer that's okay okay there we go so there we go yeah so favorite favorite you know if for me components of a meal <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I did when we were talking um uh before about sort of like food memories and i told the story of scrapple which is uh i th- the, the like i said the uh the wikipedia entry defines it as a cornmeal mush but it's really there's not that much cornmeal in it basically it's a very finely ground uh, meat bits with cornmeal and it's all of the parts the reason they call it scrapple is because it's the scraps that that don't go into anything else. Like, these are the scraps that don't go into hot dogs, basically. And it's... (laughs) (laughs) It's very, very finely ground, and it's formed into a brick, and you can actually buy it at the um, supermarket, which I still do. And you fry it up in a pan, and it's a breakfast food. And it's... I I think there's an Amish connection to it. I could be wrong about that, but it's totally a Pennsylvania thing. Uh, I think there might be areas of Jersey... Um, that you know also eat it, but I think primarily it's it's all Pennsylvania all the way. I wonder and, if I could get it at Winn-Dixie and try it. You know, you probably could, actually. I've always had really good luck finding it in Florida. I've had less, which is weird because Florida is further away from Pennsylvania than Massachusetts is. Yeah. But um, yeah. in Massachusetts, I have more of a difficult time. Maybe they figure in Massachusetts you can drive to Pennsylvania if you want Scrabble. (laughs) The other um, random ass meat product that is incredibly regional that I also love that I totally cannot get outside of either Jersey or Florida is something called Taylor Pork Roll. And depending if you're from Jersey, depending on where you're from in Jersey, you might call it Taylor Pork Roll or you might call it Taylor Ham. But it's a pork product. And it's this salty meat that you fry, again, fry it up in a pan. <laughs> and I, growing up, um, had it, like, just in sandwiches, like, for lunch. I, My understanding now as an adult is so a lot of people also consider it a breakfast food. But when I was a kid, my dad always made it because his whole family was originally from New Jersey. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's another salty um, mystery meat product. Although, Taylor Pork Roll must have pork involved um, to be because, called a pork roll yeah it actually has pork in the name but that's something that the last few times we've been down to we have uh friends who live in jersey and the last few times we've been down there um every time we're leaving i'm like we have to go to a grocery <laughs> store <laughs> so that i can buy nine boxes of taylor pork roll and take it home and put it in the freezer that's wonderful it is it is i like my salty meat products <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be that kind of podcast, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it totally but, is. <clears throat> but, yeah. I think if I have to pick a salty meat product um that is of a regional variety <laughs> What's your Um, favorite regional salty meat product? My favorite regional salty meat product is Fatback bacon. Oh, yeah. You can't get that just anywhere. (laughs) No, you have to know somebody who kills pigs. (laughs) Which is, you know. And apparently, like, when I look it up online, apparently it's big in other countries. Like, other countries do stuff with Fatback all the time. Mm -hmm. Here, it's... Here, it is... Poor trailer food in the South, which is where I have always eaten it. It is, um, for those not in the know, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, the kind of fat back that we always got is basically (laughs) pig fat with, it's like a rind, and it might, it's still got some like bacon on it, some, some meat, but it's, um, like a shred or two of of lingering, like a little bit of meat, and it's still got the rind on it, and that part like cooks really hard, so you just kind of gnaw on it. <laughs> um, it's not pork rinds; it's not anything like that. When you get um fat back with the meat on it, you fry it like bacon, and it it gets really delicious. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, it's probably not good for you at all. Yeah, but it's—I mean, it's—it's basically—it's—it's—it's it's, it's basically pig fat under the skin on the back, hmm. and it's not the squishy stuff. It's um, like a a really hard fat, so it has. A pleasing texture when you fry it in grease from previous bacon frying, <laughs> oh my God, no wonder I'm fat amazing. <laughs> It's amazing um like my one of my fa- my favorite salty meat product is actually fried fat. <laughs> Well, it's (laughs) meat-related. It's totally meat-related, and you get it with some actual, like, bacon meat on it, and it's really, really, really good. Yeah. And texturally, it's great. And, I mean, regular bacon is good. If you like bacon, regular bacon can be like, oh, my God, bacon. You know, it inspires people to make Band-Aids that look like bacon. Mm -hmm. Fatback is like, I don't know, five experience levels higher than, than regular bacon. There's actually a really interesting article that I saw linked on NPR, um, NPR's website earlier, th- or was it this week or last week? I don't remember. But it it was basically looking at why bacon is the essentially the only meat that sort of universally causes vegetarians to think twice. Huh. And I'll have to look for it to link to it because it was, I mean, it it obviously is, you know, not sort of a definitive study. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was definitely interesting talking about, it it actually had sort of quotes and stuff from actual vegetarians saying, you know, the only thing, the only time I ever crave any kind of meat is when I smell bacon cooking. And I think that somebody looked at why, what is it about that smell that makes us be like, oh my God, I need to eat that. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's true. I mean, I honestly, I know that bacon has enjoyed this, this sort of like hipster trendiness (laughs) over the past few years. And that's rad at all but you know i think that there's something there's something intrinsically like appealing about it and i don't know why because in in concept one of the things i say all the time is that i i hate cooking meat i rarely cook meat at home because i don't like seeing it raw i don't like touching it when it's raw i don't like remembering what it looked like when it was raw when i'm trying to eat it Right. Um so I generally the vast majority of what I cook at home is vegetarian except for bacon and I use I put bacon in collard greens and I put bacon in all kinds of delicious stuff um because it does as a seasoning you know you don't need a lot of it but yeah. unless you want a lot of it and that's okay too but as a seasoning it just it's a bacony thing that just you don't get it anywhere <laughs> else I think that's why we joke. I mean, no matter what the reality is, people joke about sitting down and eating millions of pieces of bacon. Like, it's it's the kind of food that encourages you to just put it in your mouth and eat it. Well, another embarrassing salty meat product is uh, downstairs at work in the cafeteria. Um, I rarely go downstairs to get breakfast um, just because, I don't know, it's usually cold by the time i get it back and you know it's i don't know i like not spending the money if i can avoid it but every once in a while they actually make corned beef hash every day I've and never had corned beef hash if you like salt you'll like corned beef hash. <laughs> and every once in a while and it's usually a certain time of the month i'll be like i need to go down and get a bowl of corned beef hash nothing else and just eat that and it, it literally it's like it's like salt it's like big hunks of salt with a little bit of meat and potato added <laughs> to it. well that sounds delightful yeah it's it's you know it's one of those things that not unlike scrapple not unlike the taylor pork roll i cannot eat very often because well you have a meal of that and you're just like comatose for the rest of the day but <laughs> but every once in a while it's like you need that 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 injection of salty meat product and where that else are you gonna get it? Really bad. <laughs> injection of salty meat products. Hot meat injection. <laughs> uh actually it's hot beef injection is the line from The Breakfast Club, if I'm going to be correct about it. Yeah. <laughs> hot meat injection is just as good, I think. Yeah, same basic same basic vibe. But um <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, bacon has magic to it. and, and I feel I like this is an appropriate juncture for a Sausage Fest joke, and I'm just not going to make it. <laughs> uh, indeed. I think the inference is enough. <laughs> I'm not a huge sausage fan, which is weird, because you would think that, given my other likes, that I would be really into sausage, and I'm just not. It depends um, on the sausage. I think, for me, it's a texture thing more than anything else that... Because sausage isn't, I mean, you know, like, yeah, okay, I'll eat Scrapple, but Scrapple is really finely, finely ground to the extent that you have absolutely, I mean, it could be anything in there. You have no idea. (laughs) Sausage is less finely ground, and I hate having, like, sausage surprises where you're, like, you know, eating your, your sausage and your pasta, and then you bite into a piece, and there's, like, something in there that just does not feel good in your mouth, and... If you're in the North Florida, South Georgia area, I do just want to put in a plug for nettle sausage. They do kill their own pigs and make their own sausage, and it is really good. And they make, like, the big sausages that you make sausage dogs out of at the fair. <laughs> and then you smell like sausages for three days because you're working the sausage stand for the church youth group. But that's a totally different story. The the fact is, it's really good sausage. So if you're in that general region, I highly recommend nettle sausage. Um <laughs> What, what about, that, what about like, kielbasa, Leslie? Well, it doesn't what, have sausage surprise. And kielbasa I can do. Uh, my husband will occasionally get this, I don't even, God, there's no word for it. It's, it's the most disgusting product I've ever seen. And, and sorry if that's judgmental, but it's really how I feel. My husband will get these things called, like, I think it's called, like, cheddar worst or cheddar balsa or... Oh is it the sausage with the little tubes of cheese in it? No it's not a tube. It's like a it's like a bratwurst basically that has had like little bits of cheese sort of like mushed in with the meat. So there's no actual once, once again I'm coming down on these side I do enjoy a cheddar brat. <laughs> He'll make them and it's like I he always says like oh no it's so good and all every time I take a bite and I'm like yeah no that's totally disgusting to me. <laughs> I can't tell. It's it's like, which is hilarious, but it's like the cheese is overkill, I was man. Say, I think you're a little bit of a cheese snob too, though. Like if it were carefully chosen to finely balance with the pork. I feel like I don't need cheese inside my sausage. <laughs> like it should be enough that you know it's it's sausage and meat. It, it doesn't need cheese. It's just you know gilding the lily. How do you feel, I like excess, how do you feel about coney dogs and things like that, where you have a meat product mounded with cheese on the outside? I don't really like cheese on top of my tube meats. (laughs) (laughs) This is just a fact. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't like, I don't like any kind of, yeah, it's just not, it's just not my thing. I don't, I don't, I don't do it. If I'm having, like, a hot dog... Um, I'll get all kinds of crap on top of that hot dog, but cheese will not be among it. See, yeah, I'll do a chili cheese dog like like that. I'll be like, yes, put that in my mouth. <laughs> That's where it belongs. <laughs> well, I have a very sort of like picky hot dog taste anyway. Like I don't, yeah. I, I don't really – I don't dislike hot dogs, but I don't eat them very often, and it's kind of – it's one of those things where – if I want one, then I really, really want one. But 90% of the time, if hot dogs just fell off the face of the planet, I would not weep for their loss. I feel like 90% of the time, I don't want them. The other 10% of the time, I need a fucking hot dog. But during <laughs> that 90% of the time, I think fondly of them. <laughs> like, I have fond memories. It's like, you know, it's interesting. Like, I have such weird relationship with food, but there are certain foods that I love. And that's one reason, like... Being able to choose my food without guilt is so important to me. Mm-hmm. And, like, child foods that are completely and totally bland mm-hmm. are are on that list of things that I enjoy. And I think it's more associative than it is flavor-wise. Because I, I will cut you for some Kraft mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. You know, and really, Kraft mac and cheese—it's cheesiest. But what kind of cheese is that, really? It's, yeah, it's—it's not—it's not a quality food. It's a tasty yeah. food. It's a comforting food, but it's not a a high quality hoity-toity yeah. kind of food. And I feel like hot dogs. Um, there was one point um, before we left the country where my dad was working on a golf course <laughs> in um, in Florence, Kentucky. And uh, Florence, Kentucky is fairly close to the border between Kentucky and Ohio. So we went to Cincinnati and we had Coney dogs and we went to um, Kings Island and that sort of thing. I was visiting him over the summer um, because he was living in Kentucky doing golf course building things. Um, And so, like, having a chili cheese dog or something of that variety is really, like, sense memory. Mm Mm-hmm associative, and I think that that is a big part of why I'm like, yeah, bring it. I'll think fondly on those, even though I eat a hot dog, like, once every six months. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking, speaking of sort of, like, lost childhood foods, um, I you know what I miss more, and this is, this is the most ridiculous thing, but I've actually, and I'm not the only person I know who has been thusly obsessed, mm-hmm. but one of the things that I've been obsessed with like, from my childhood that I will never get again are Jello pudding pops. Oh, my God. I actually knew somebody online who made them. (laughs) See? I swear I have the recipe floating around, but it is also one of those things where I'm like, now that I know how to make them, it's okay. I don't actually need them. I just (laughs) need to know that I can have access to them. Why in the name of all that is sacred and beautiful? In this world did they stop making jello pudding pops because they hate democracy <laughs> <laughs> and happy children oh my god like the swirly ones that were both ah! the chocolate and the oh my god they were so f- fucking delicious gotta be honest my favorite was always the vanilla but the swirly ones were a close second i was partial to vanilla too i I, which is surprising to me because usually i'm a chocolate person but i love the shit out of the i mean i wouldn't turn down a chocolate pudding pop but (laughs) in in the hierarchy in in the pudding pop hierarchy it went vanilla swirly chocolate and that was the order in which I would eat them out of the box, and I miss the shit out of the Jello pudding pops because they were so good. And I still don't understand why they don't make them anymore. Because honestly, and I have this is a highly scientific study that I have done over many, many years. Every single person that I've ever said the words Jello pudding pops to has said to me, "Oh my god, why did they stop making those?" I don't know. All I know is that they were incredible. The other thing, the thing that vied. With them, at, for like dessert supremacy, was something I only got when I stayed with my grandparents. Um, fudge sickles, yes. So a fudge sickle, which you can still get, mm-hmm. um, but which, which, like now they come in the little break apart thing, and no, you need like the big chunk of fudge sickle. Yes. Um, fudge sickles and pudding pops closely associated. Very close. The original fudge sickles were like those old, if anyone's seen the episode of Mad Men with the popsicles, where it used to be you would have two sickles, I guess, Yeah. fused together, and then you would break with two sticks poking out, and then you would break them in half. Or if you were a fucking gluttonous child, you would just eat the whole thing. <laughs> And, yeah. and, <laughs> and I I did enjoy the original iteration of the fudgesicles. I feel like fudgesicles today do not taste the same. It, as... I think that there is a um, is, they've probably been adjusted for, like, caloric and fat and all of that intake stuff. Yeah. And it's just not, you know, it's not the same sense memory as, you know, you want it to be. But, like, Pudding Pops were just, for me, man, oh, pudding, God. Pudding, I... pudding Pops were seriously, like, my favorite thing in the world as a kid I I loved them to death and I even remember the the commercials like pretty vividly because they all had Bill Cosby in them seriously (laughs) Uh... I think like thinking back over things I've loved as a child my favorite meal has been the exact same thing my entire life which is chicken and dumplings with some cream corn and a bunch of acre peas (laughs) I have chicken and dumplings on the stove right now and acre peas in the fridge. <laughs> I have cream corn in the freezer. I have not yet defrosted it. <laughs> I think that one of my favorite meals since childhood is, and, and to this day, to some extent, my father, um, my dad raised me as, as a single parent, and um, he was not the best cook in the world, but he was good at, at making big pots of stuff. So... <laughs> He would make, um, there were three things that he made that were absolutely fantastic. He would make chili, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. And I've never quite mastered his chili recipe, which is a, a, a continuing disappointment for me. Um, he would make stew, which I can make beef stew. It's just a beef stew, like your standard beef stew, but he would make it with these, this, this different seasoning so that it was huh. kind of spicy. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, and that that I can that I can duplicate. I can't duplicate the chili, but I can totally duplicate the stew, and the third thing, which I don't even try to duplicate is um he would make jambalaya, ah, uh, and these were things that I think he made because these were foods that we could make, we could eat on our own time, and like you know they could they'd hang out in the fridge for like yeah. a week, so like if I was hungry and I you know he wanted to make sure I had food, then I could you know pull out big-ass yep. container of jambalaya and make a bowl of that and I'd be, you know, well-fed. So, I I really... Ed's I family makes jambalaya. jambalaya. He also used to make gumbo, but we we reached a point sometime when I was a teenager where we agreed that the okra in the gumbo just wasn't Ew. in it for us anymore. Yeah. Okra is one of those things that, like, either you're big big okra... okra... Oprah? <laughs> big, <Troy>. big... <laughs> big big okra fan or you think it's kind of gross and i i yeah i'm not a fan of the okra i don't I think, think it's kind of gross i think it's repulsive it's like like it's, i i have no middle ground on that i'm i look at it and i'm like oh shutter it's her. just it's all it's slimy like i can't get past the slimy i don't know yeah. Like I, I want to like it because I hate I, I I hate disliking any vegetable yeah like I, I, I want feel all, bad about it yeah. yeah I want I want to love all vegetables and there's very few vegetables that I don't love but okra and me man we just can't we just can't get on <laughs> you know what else I can't get on with summer mm. squash if you hold a summer squash up to the stove, it turns into gelatinous mush. Yeah, there it's it's if you roast it, it's a little bit better. But one You're of lying. the one of, <laughs> one of the reasons why I stopped, um, we didn't sign up for the uh, we were had a a CSA share. Um, CSA stands for community supported agriculture. If anyone is unfamiliar with the concept, and basically you sign up at like a local farm. And you invest your money, and then in return, you get a share of the harvest when the time comes. And, you know, you pick it up weekly, and so we would go and we would get our weekly box of delicious locally grown um, vegetables. And for the most part, it was awesome. But, you know, you reach a point where it's like, I cannot deal with 50 pounds of zucchini I cannot deal with, like, I, if, I literally, by the end of the, the last year was particularly zucchini and squash heavy, (laughs) because I think that they had, um, there was, like, bad rains or something. There was some problem where, you know, a lot of what we got wound up being zucchini and summer squash, and by, by, seriously, by, like, you know, early August, I was like, my God, if every zucchini died, (laughs) I would not be sad about it (laughs) See in contrast, I will eat zucchini every single day. Given I, the zucchini option. You know, I, I I have dishes in which I really love zucchini. Um my husband's my mother in law does a zucchini pie that I now know how to make and that is freaking delicious. Um but yeah, I just I reach I mean, Marianne, this is this is this is more zucchini than you could eat every day like you would have to eat extra zucchini <laughs> on a daily basis in order to keep up with the supply. Ooh, ooh, speaking of foods we love, you know what my gateway to zucchini was? Hmm. Um Kobe, the the Japanese hibachi grill restaurant. <laughs> Where they have the big stove in front of you and they cook your food theatrically. It's kind of terrible. But they do a mixed vegetable thing with zucchini. And so basically it's this lightly roasted zucchini with some sesame oil. Wow. And then you have it with your white rice or your noodles. And I'm like, yes, please. But see, this does. I don't understand this because summer squash and zucchini are basically the same fucking vegetable. They're different colored and their shapes are slightly different. Sometimes totally different textures. But they're not. But they are. Maybe maybe you're maybe what you're thinking of is summer squash. I am not thinking the of. The little yellow one. Yeah, it's basically yeah, the same. It's basically the same thing. That's what I keep thinking and I keep trying to make it and eat it and it's terrible. And it's <laughs> not like I'm getting shitty summer squash. It's from my grandparents garden. <laughs> <laughs> and then I feel guilty because they're like, "Oh, how was that summer squash?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't tell them that I hate it." I go through this every year with my in-laws because they have a huge garden and they always have, you know, they're always throwing produce at us towards the end of the year. And um, every single year, it's you know, take some some eggplant. We have a million eggplants, and I hate eggplant.
1: Really? I don't.
0: I don't know why. I don't I like know. the little ones. I. <laughs> I I honestly cannot even tell you why I have this this anti-eggplant thing. Like, even eggplant parm, I will not touch. And that's barely even eggplant anymore. That is (laughs) eggplant that has been sliced to the width of a molecule, salted, had all the water pressed out, breaded, fried, coated (laughs) in cheese and sauce, and stuck in the oven. And even that is too close to eggplant for me. Wow. I I I can't. I like it. That, my husband loves it, and yeah. which is awesome for him. Um, but the problem is he'll always be like, oh, yeah, I'll take some like I like eggplants. And then he's, like, shocked when I don't cook it for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why am I going to do this for something a for food that I hate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what else I really like? Hmm. Roasted garlic. I do enjoy roasted. I, I like garlic in pretty much any form. I do, too. But roasted garlic has an ast- pleasure to it and you can smear it on fresh crusty french bread mm-hmm. or mash it into cauliflower or potatoes and and put it in things and it's just there's something extra special i think about the roasted garlic i do enjoy i mean i i am such a i will eat garlic i eat raw garlic like when i'm when i'm cutting it up yeah i have to set aside a piece to eat because I like it so much, um, which you know, ultimately is is I, I sort of smell like garlic for like three days after that. But um, it's totally worth it because it's incredibly delicious, and it's a natural mosquito repellent. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what I hear. Interesting. So yeah. maybe in those three days, I'll have absolutely no mosquito bites. Right? Isn't that <laughs> isn't that worthwhile? <laughs> you should you should do a science experiment. I should. I should eat garlic and then not eat garlic. It's a shame I can't clone myself and and have one as a control. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, yeah. Um, What was the other... There was something else I was going to talk about. Oh, the other um, sort of, like... I don't like calling foods, like, guilty pleasures because I don't like... I think we both agree that we don't, like, associating guilt with food. Yeah. But but one of the foods that, like, I'll eat and then I'll always feel bad... (laughs) <laughs> like, oh my... Not bad as in, oh my god, I'm a bad person, that food was bad. But bad as in, oh my god, I am so full, why did I eat that? <laughs> is uh, chicken pot pie. I I, I am with you as long as it's a homemade chicken pot pie with no English peas in it. The minute they put those little round green fuckers in it, I'm like, bye. See, <laughs> see I like the... Um, I actually usually get the frozen kind because I true facts i cannot make pastry i have a pastry deficiency i am totally inept like i am the anti-pastry like if, if if you if you give me the materials to make a pie crust somehow they will molecularly change in my my presence such that it is impossible for them to turn into pie crust no matter what i do how about this we will make a deal The next time we visit, you can make me Scrapple and I will make you chicken pot pie. Delightful. (laughs) Apparently, like, the ridiculousness of my life is that I really resent food preparation, but not if it's ridiculously complicated or otherwise, like, something you have to actually focus on and think about. Like, if it is in and of itself a challenge, I'm there. Mm -hmm. But, like, making the food has to be... You know, has to be attention-holding. Um, I'm a really good baker, but I don't eat a lot of baked goods myself, so it's kind of a special occasion skill. And pastry is one of those things that's just really fun. No, it's not. <laughs> well, it's fun. We had a um, our first Thanksgiving together, Ed and I. We did pie giving uh it was pie themed thanksgiving we had chicken po- turkey pot pie and mashed potato pie and like that was the that was the theme <laughs> that's completely awesome <laughs> so i made um i made turkey pot pie and and that sort of thing and it's just always really tasty when you make it yourself and you put the things you want in it because i'll get the little frozen chicken pot pies and then i'll spend 15 minutes picking out the green peas for me, it's just sort of a perfect comfort food when there's, you know, 70 inches of snow on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> like there is right now. <laughs> and it's like, it's it's basically as though I'm thinking, I I could just crawl inside this pie. <laughs> and live in the nice warm confines yeah. of this pie until spring, which will probably never come. Because, it will come. because It's Boston, already February. Boston has moved to Alaska at some point. When in... does Boston get spring? Um, that's a really good question. Boston gets spring usually around uh, May or June. Um, t- you know, technically you would sort of expect it to happen in April, but it re- usually the month of April is just the most depressing month ever because you spend the whole month going, Why isn't it spring? <laughs> And you are not selling this just, whole Marianne Moving <laughs> North option. It just persistently is not spring. And um, just to give you sort of a reference, like for, for CSA shares, you can usually start picking those up like in mid-June. Okay. So that gives you a, a vague idea of when shit actually starts growing again, um, which usually happens probably like mid to late Like, things actually will start to poke out of the ground around mid-April or late April, but you don't really start to feel warm again until May. So, yeah. (laughs) For the record, y'all, the high tomorrow in Orlando is 82. So... Well, it's not it's not that I'm trying to rub it in. It's that I genuinely have no conceptualization of how these things work in the rest (laughs) of the country. Well, one thing that's sort of, you know, is one of the only things and I've said this a million times that I do miss about living in Florida is the fact that you can get produce pretty much year round and it's really cheap. Yeah. Um, Whereas up here, like you'll see asparagus for limited times of the year and it will be ridiculously expensive hmm So it's kind of nice to, like, I kind of miss that a little bit. And I also, I mean, the obvious thing that I miss about living in Florida is, is really fresh oranges. Yeah. Like, this time of year, every year, I have to order a big box of Honey Bells. Mm-hmm. Because they're so good. And, <laughs> I just, that was- you know... That was one of the things in, like, movies about holidays and, you know, catalogs about holidays that never made any sense to me as a child. And when we went to Colorado for Christmas, um, my sister-in-law and her husband had gift boxes of fruit that had been shipped to them from various places. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, who gives somebody a box of pears? Yeah. And then I realized we're in Boulder, Colorado. (laughs) It's not like they grow pears in December. And it's one of those things that I have to, like, consciously stop myself at and be, like, refunding normal for other places with this stuff. So I do try to ask and figure out what's going on because, yeah, I mean, year-round well, produce is the major perk of Florida, I think. Yeah, and likewise, when I was growing up in Florida, I was mystified by the fact that you could buy oranges, like, at the airport because I, yeah. I always thought... Why would you buy oranges at the airport? And why would you buy such a big box when you're not going to eat them all on the plane? And mm-hmm. <laughs> these are the things that ran through my childlike head. And now that I actually live up here, it's like, well, because the oranges up here suck. They <laughs> suck ass, man. I mean, they're awful. They're 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 totally, totally not good oranges. I'm, I'm so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm to- I'm completely speechless about the inadequacy of the orange selection. Um, northward. And yeah. so every year I will, you know, order myself... Actually, I usually wind up getting two, um, orders of oranges. My dad will usually send me a box around Thanksgiving of yeah. navels. And then because honey bells are only available January to, like, mid-February, yeah. I will always order <clears> myself <throat> a box of honey bells. And I have a whole bunch of honeybells sitting in my kitchen right now, and I just... Sometimes I just like to look at them and, and feel like it's like the sunshine is, is hitting me in the face, sort of, except not because it's just a box of oranges. But there is something very pleasant and and revitalizing about the smell, which is why so many bath products are citrus scented. Indeed. So Indeed. you can go stick your face in your honey bells. It's true. And it makes and me, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of what it was like to feel warmth. <laughs> <laughs> You will be warm again. And the other, actually, one other thing that I do miss enormously about growing up in South Florida food-wise is Cuban food. And I probably should have put a Cuban food on my favorite foods list because that is food that I could eat for the rest of my life and never get tired of it. I know Um, what you should have put on your list. What? Comforters. Comforters. Oh my God, conch fritters! That's another Florida thing. Conch, for people who don't know, is if you see like the big ass shells, like a it's it's sort of like an iconic beach shell. It's a very large shell that has a big flared opening. Um, that is it's a conch. the spirally ones, not the clammy ones. Correct. And yeah. um, there's actually an animal that lives inside that shell before it you know washes up on the beach, and it's called a conch. And in Florida, they will chop them up and make them into uh-huh. conch fritters, which uh-huh. <laughs> Honk. Which Sorry, is it's a bas- funny word. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, so you know, it's it's basically it's like a corn fritter, but it has you know conch in it, and it's spicy. Yeah. And usually there's like old bay seasoning in there or something, so it has a very you know savory uh, sort of flavor. And I do I do love the shit out of conch fritters, and I miss them a lot. But I really miss Cuban food because Cuban conch fritters I could probably like. Get my dad to get me frozen and like ship up here if I was desperate, but like Cuban food just doesn't work, and there's no good Cuban food in Boston <laughs> apparently you take that this, personally apparently this is the the episode where I whine a lot. <laughs> I'm like I can get a decent Cuban sandwich at the seven <laughs> eleven, but I can't I am sorry. <laughs> For the record, Cuban sandwiches, oh my god, y'all. Yeah. I'm not even a sandwich fan and I am a huge honking fan of the Cuban sandwich. I think it's the pickle that really like just sets everything off perfectly. Yeah, this is good. Let's let's make me more longing for Cuban <laughs> fruit. No, go into more detail. <laughs> Well, I'm like, I'm trying like, usually I just put them in my mouth. I don't examine them very closely, but it's got, like, it's got pork on it, but it's not like slices of ham. It's mm-hmm. slices of pork. Yeah. Um. What else does it have on there? A little bit of mustard, a pickle, some the, other kind of meat. The bread is really good. Yeah, the bread is Cuban bread. And that's one thing that occasionally frustrates me when I go to the grocery store here is like, I just want to goddamn loaf of french bread mm-hmm. but it's it's cuban bread and cuban bread has a very different texture and it's delicious but it doesn't go very well with like honey baked brie right <laughs> so, <laughs> so it goes deliciously with everything else cuban bread awesome okay. um it's it's a softer less crusty kind of bread mm-hmm um. So yeah, and and then you you put all of these things onto a Cuban sandwich, and uh, then you you press it on like a sandwich press. You gotta smush it. It's gotta yes, be appropriately smushed. It's it's really really flat. And what happens? It, it's I mean it is I guess basically just a ham and cheese sandwich, but it's it's not sliced ham. It's slices of pork. Mm-hmm and uh, like roasted pork and i guess you can put ham on it and some cheese um but then you smoosh it flat and on the sandwich press the the outside of it gets really crispy and the inside of it because of the cheese and the i guess the fat content of the pork gets really like luscious mm-hmm. and then you have this textural symphony with a little bit of crunch of the pickle which somehow remains nice and cold and the hot melty cheese and the just everything is it's it's amazing yeah it is yeah <laughs> the one oh, that, the cuban sandwich the one the one cuisine that i can get to my heart's content up here that is interesting is um italian food yeah that you know boston for whatever reason um has some freaking well that and pub food (laughs) it's yeah so you've got irish pubs and you've got more italian restaurants than you could possibly ever eat at and the nice thing about that is that a lot of you know you can go into like the north end and just sort of wander into a random place as long as it's not on hanover street it's probably going to be good what's wrong with hanover street there's nothing wrong with it it's just that's sort of the touristy like that's okay. where everybody goes. I and don't
1: think So I yeah, was it's
0: saying. it's not it's not that the the restaurants there are bad. Many many of them are very good, and I've eaten at a lot of them over the years. It's just that they tend to be a lot more straightforward. Whereas right. if you kind of go down into the little you know labyrinth of the North End and you find a tiny little place with like four tables in it, and odds are good that it's it's Italian, but it, they're gonna have like. Something that is just you know completely amazing and unexpected um we actually were recently at a place in the north end called Carmen, um which was really insane, like the actual restaurant I think had like six tables in it, and right. it was really delicious and um I, I i i it it was it was just this fantastic meal, and we had a great time and then at the end of the meal, um I had to use the restroom and because it's such a tiny little hole in the wall place. The restroom is actually, like, through the kitchen and down some stairs and in this, like, you know, back of the storage area in the basement of the building. And, the you know, you actually have to walk through the kitchen. Well, the kitchen, I swear to you, was literally, like, it was, like, half the size of my kitchen at home. hmm It was unbelievably tiny. There were, like, three guys in there, literally shoulder to shoulder, and i was walking through and just sort of thinking like this is this is perfect perfect evidence that you don't need to have like a huge gleaming space in which to cook in order to produce the most amazing food mm-hmm. um you can do it with very little space and very basic um very basic tools as long as you are creative and willing to just sort of mess around with stuff and i think that's why i'm so terrible at baking <laughs> because when I, when I cook, I hate measuring. I have, like, this, this knee-jerk resistance to measuring. And mm. it, it drives whenever my husband and I cook together, because he's very methodical, he, he likes to measure everything. And he'll be like, you know, I need half a cup of water, and I'll slosh some water in a glass and hand it to him. <laughs> and he'll be like, how do you know this is half a cup? I'm like, I can tell just by looking at it. You know, I cook enough that I can just sort of eyeball it. And, you know, I'll say, if you're worried, just don't pour it all in at once. Just, you know, add a little until it looks right. And he's like, well, how do I know it looks right? I'm supposed to add a half a cup. Give me a half a cup. And we go round and round like this because that's just not, I I tend to experiment. I hate measuring. And I hate, you know, I just like being sort of free form. Yeah. And the vast majority of the time, it's very successful. Maybe once in a while, I will make something and be like, wow, that was a waste of kale. (laughs) I feel like you can do that to a certain degree with baking but you have to be careful because your proportions have to be right right for things to do their magical baking chemistry yeah otherwise uh, your bread doesn't rise or you know whatever yeah so I do I do have a bread machine that um I love because all I have to do is dump everything in the container <laughs> And I literally just push a button and walk away for eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> that I really like, but that's that's the 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 sum total of the baking of which I am capable. Well, that's I mean that's good. There's <laughs> homemade bread is a beautiful thing, man. It's delicious. It really can't be beat. But yeah, it so, is. It is. So, did you have any other food-related? longings you wanted to discuss? <laughs> I just, like, I keep thinking of things that I enjoy. Um, and I am a little surprised that none of them are really desserts. I've like, never, yeah, I've never been a never, huge like, fan of dessert, really. Yeah. Like, I like dessert as a concept, but then I... Ultimately, I want to end on something a little savory. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not sure what the deal is with that. Like there are, delerts de- delerts. <laughs> D- there are desserts I like. Um, we had a baby shower at work and Jocelyn made flan that was just the end of the world. But I still had to have like a pretzel afterwards because it was there's so much sweetness. I have to end on something savory. Um, my grandmother makes banana pudding. Banana pudding, I feel like most of my favorite foods really are regional foods. Mm-hmm. Um, because banana pudding is, is, I think, fairly iconically southern as well. Um, <laughs> It's also delicious. <laughs> it is. Um, it's, you line a baking dish with Nilla wafers, and you have to use Nilla wafers, not any other kind of bullshit wafers. Um, they're, they've got a certain texture, see? And then you put bananas in, and then you put vanilla pudding in. And that's really, that's really the sum of it. You can maybe put a little whipped cream on it, but let's not go crazy. Um, some people layer them. Some people make it just in, you know, three strata of Nilla Wafers, Bananas, Pudding. You have no idea how hungry I am, right? Now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't. I have chicken and dumplings on the stove right now. Um, I have nothing on the stove. I have to go make dinner still. <laughs> as As, like... My parents, when I was growing up, were not people who cooked. Um, we got a lot – My both my parents worked, uh, so we picked up fast food on the way home from work. Um, lots of Taco Bell, lots of KFC. I have never in my life enjoyed hamburgers, uh, so I was like a huge fan of the chicken nugget and <clears> – <throat> A restaurant called Long John Silver's. Oh, Long John Silver's. Long John Silver's, which is basically fried fish. It's fried everything. And they actually give you the little crumbled bits of fried batter that fall off of shit when they cook it. <laughs> which is the best goddamn part, am I right? Oh, my God. You literally will get your box of fish and french fries. And in the bottom, it's all on a bed of crumbled up fried Crispy batter bits. Yeah, it's because amazing. the batter that they use is really thick and substantial batter. Like it's yeah. not, oh, some buttermilk and some breadcrumbs. No, it is batter. Yeah, yeah. That's Sorry, actually, I had it Off. That's okay. That's Long John Silver's is actually, um, I think, my husband's like, favorite fast food restaurant on the planet. Yeah, there's um, one down the road. It's a, it, it's like a KF Long John Silver's. We don't have them in the Boston area, but they had them where he grew up in upstate New York. So every time we're out there visiting his family, we make a special trip to Long John Silver's. And every time I'm like, I'm just going to get one piece of fish because the batter is so heavy that I can't even finish a single piece of fish before I'm like, oh, my God, I am so done. The it one. Is- the one, thing, the one thing, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this, that I can eat endlessly at Long John Silver's are the Hush Puppies. See, cool. I don't like Hush Puppies. <gasps> you shock me. I give them away. <laughs> I have never liked them. Oh, my God. I love them. I don't know. Like They're the only like bread product it's like, that it's, I don't like. It's fried up cornbread in a ball. I know. You'd think that'd be right up my alley. (laughs) I think what I want it to be is corn pone, Mm, which is a little different. Yes, it is. Um, For those who are not in the know, Um, are you going to talk about chitlins next? I am not going to (laughs) talk. Shut up. Oh, my God. You're judging me. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm just trying to think of what southern foods haven't we covered yet. (laughs) (sighs) Go ahead. <laughs> and um corn pone is cornbread based, it's but it's a, a a really dense cornbread made in a cast iron skillet i guess they used to make it over an open fire but you can make it on your stovetop um it is not like a light fluffy cornbread no. it is a a round skillet of very dense cornbread that Especially the next day can take on some some pretty heavy characteristics, um, <laughs> but it is really, really good <laughs> an interesting point is that there are actually this is this is something that i 've learned just in the last few years that when people say cornbread in New England, they do mean something like cornbread but the concept of cornbread up here is completely different from southern cornbread that i grew up with because i grew up with that very dense not not some not i mean it shouldn't be dry it should yeah. be dense it's a little crumbly but it's not like unpleasantly dry um but it's it's sort of like the it has a very thick texture and it's it's substantial like it's, it's, it's a not, bread yeah i mean it's 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 a heavy food it's not just a, like a fruity fucking cake and the <laughs> it's not a cupcake it's and, more like a muffin yeah sorry to the new englanders but the cornbread up here is a fruity fucking cake it's it's like a <laughs> puffy fluffy happy <laughs> muffin thing and it's just <laughs> not it's not what cornbread is supposed to be and it's frustrating as hell because i can't bake so every time i try to make actual cornbread i i met with horrific disaster so I'm I so just, sorry. Yeah, I just sort of go through life, like, longing for appropriate cornbread, which, you know, I just cannot find um, in, in my area. Although I can have all the fucking pizza I can eat. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> As a substitute, do you have, like, the Jiffy mixes at your local supermarket? Yeah, I do, Marianne, and I even fuck those up. Oh... <laughs> oh. Because they're they're okay. You can make corn muffins with those that are okay. Yeah. You gotta watch it though, because they tend to dry out. So it's good to add a little extra butter. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very Paula Deen inspired moment. <laughs> <laughs> I love you Paula Deen. I just tack- I I do. I you love need, her. You need to tack a little y'all on the end there. <laughs> Paula Deen, y'all. <laughs> She's a little creepy sometimes, but, I mean, she's awesome. I love, she apparently had agoraphobia, didn't yeah. leave her house for some years. I think we talked about that in the last episode. Or, I don't remember. Or maybe you and I just talked about that, but, yeah. 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 Paula she's, Dean. She's an yeah. interesting lady. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm trying to think of the, um, what else, what else in the Boston area that, The one nice thing that I will say about New England, and actually, well, not so much New England, but the Northeast in general, is um, sushi up here is really freaking good. Yeah. Um, Really, really good. Uh, Much better than, you know, like last time, maybe a year ago, actually, we were, my husband and I were visiting my family in Florida, and um, my mom had just recently sort of begun to explore this scary world of sushi (laughs) and you know she we took you know we went to this restaurant and i mean it was it was good but it wasn't like it wasn't like really good (laughs) (laughs) and i'm used to up here i'm used to having a bunch of different restaurants that we can go to that are really 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 high quality excellent sushi now orlando might be a little different i don't know but, We've got some decent sushi restaurants, but I wouldn't say they were like five star sushi or anything yeah yeah i mean i'm I'm going to out to um san francisco um in the first week of March, and I'm really looking forward to eating some, <laughs> some sushi out there as a point of comparison because historically, the best sushi I've had has been in New York, yeah, um which is probably not surprising. actually the some of the best meals i've had period in my life happened in New York. Yeah. Uh, so you know, there's uh, there. I'll be interested to make that comparison. That will be interesting. Yeah. You you you've got me on like the southern foods train of thought, and I'm like <laughs> red. The other like I I'm not a fan of chitlins. I just am not. But red velvet cake. I love red velvet cake. Red velvet cake. Would oh. uh, you? Basically, just chocolate cake with shitloads of red food coloring in it. It can do unfortunate things to your poop. Yeah, it can. Actually, yeah, yeah that's that's always something that you got to warn people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, when you have to warn people that their poop may turn funny colors. <laughs> Maybe you should explain what chitlins are, because I think not everybody knows. Okay, um... I'm trying to think of a delicate way to put Don't it. Don't be delicate. I say fuck all the time. <laughs> it's true. <you> do. <laughs> um, chitlins are basically pig intestines. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like boiled usually. Um, you can fry them as well. Fried is better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I is- mean, and better, better is incredibly relative when we're talking <laughs> about this particular dish. Yeah, it is not, don't don't make the mistake of going, well, you know, sausages are made with intestines. No, 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 no. No, no that's made with, like, the outer casing of the intestine. <laughs> Chitlins are the fleshy part of the intestine. And it has a really intestinal flavor to it. <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's got... <laughs> An unfortunate texture. Um, frying helps. I mean, I think that's one reason why we fry so many things in the South, because they have unfortunate textures. You're like, I don't want to eat that. Fry it. It's better. It's crispy. It's delicious. (laughs) Well, I mean, you fry something, yeah, and it it pretty much will beat the hell out of whatever the texture was, so. Yeah. So, I mean, chitlins are, are pig intestines. Fleshy, squelchy intestines. Um, they don't look very appetizing. They're not a pretty food. Um, they don't smell very appetizing. Um, you if, if you try chitlins, you want to make sure that whoever's preparing them has, like, an impeccable sense of cleanliness. <laughs> because usually when you're making chitlins, like, you... St- <laughs> So my great-grandmother, my great-grandmother would take the intestines into the backyard and stick them on the end of the hose. Well, that seems really efficient, doesn't it's it? super efficient, but then you realize you're in the backyard behind your granny's trailer with some intestines stuck <laughs> on the end of a hose. It's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she um she did eventually give up the, the making of those. Um, those are something that I only had when I was really young because everybody was sort of like, wait, we don't have to eat that. <laughs> uh-huh. um, one thing I do wish that we could still get is deer meat. Like, I wish my uncles were still hunting so that I still had a readily accessible source of venison. Venison is amazing. And I'm sure that there are, I I know that very often the knee-jerk reaction is, you know, always against hunting. But the weird thing is, um, for my southern family members who were hunters, um, it it actually makes sense when you think about it. They were usually the people who were the most um, in the know about environmental changes. Um, They're usually the people who care the most about their you know the nature of their region and you know like we used to when we visit my my aunt in Tennessee and you know we would go for like walks and she knew the name of every tree every plant every bird um and because you know that was partly how they ate was you know they would hunt and you would you know get a deer or you would get some quail and you would freeze it and then you would eat that yeah And, you know, venison is good. And, you know, I mean, I know it's sad to be like, oh, it's Bambi's mom. But, you know, it it really is. It's good. (laughs) And and there is something. For a long time, I was really sort of just knee-jerkily opposed to hunting. But the reality is, you know, very often the people who are hunting for subsistence and not just for sport. I still think hunting for sport is kind of fucked up because in that case you're not hunting because yeah. you're actually going to do anything with the animal. You're hunting just because you think it's fun to shoot something that's alive. Here's and... the thing. I think if you eat meat, you have no business being opposed to hunting because yeah. if you're eating factory farmed meat, then your moral opposition to eating wild animals doesn't I don't really think has a leg to stand on because factory farming is so like reprehensible. It's absolutely horrific and the the, the circumstances of it are completely horrific and disgusting. Yeah. But that's not what this podcast is about. Yeah. No. But, um, but yeah, so I just wanted to throw that in there because, you know, a little, little bit on defense of, in defense of the hunters. But yeah, yeah, venison is awesome. Yeah. So I'm thinking of like the other childhood meals and that's like venison and greens, which is mustard greens, turnip greens, collard greens, stewed in a pot with a ham hock Mm -hmm. and various seasonings. Um, I guess like the most stereotypical way to eat them is with fried chicken, which is also really fucking good, and some tabasco, mm-hmm. um, if you put a little tabasco in your greens, but they're really good with venison as well. Oh God I love greens <laughs> So much. And I think greens, because they're just sort of stewed in some water and some. Pork is the reason I can't eat creamed vegetables, like, other than corn. And corn isn't, like, a creamed vegetable so much as it's a scrape all the kernels off the cob. Right. Cook it in its own corn juice. Juices, yeah. Yeah, like, creamed spinach, I look at it and I'm just, like, I can't actually even imagine eating that. Like, it's one of the few things that I'm just not even willing to try. Yeah, no, I don't, I'm I'm not a fan of creamed vegetables, and I'm honestly, I'm not a huge fan of even cheese on top of vegetables. Yeah. No. Just, I, I like vegetables, and I feel like adding cheese is, is sort of an effort to make you forget you're eating vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the way you disguise vegetables for kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, but you know, I while... think that short changes both the vegetable and the cheese. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. Although somebody was... Um, telling me about a, a Brussels sprout recipe with a little bit of bacon and a little bit of, like, um, freshly shredded Parmesan. Oh, yummy. And I could probably stand to, to put that in my mouth right now. Mm-hmm. A lot. Repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should probably wrap up because I'm really hungry. I know, me too! <laughs> so- <laughs> You have been listening to Fat I am Leslie. I am Marianne Kirby, y'all. <laughs> I'm Paula Dean, y'all. Y'all. <laughs> uh yeah. So um we're gonna go eat and thanks for listening. <laughs>